Ah. Oh. Are good. Oxygen saturation is 100%. Feel anything? No. How about now? Mm-mm. And when he does that? Nothing. Okay. I'll set that. Making initial incisions. Give me the bogey. We've entered the peritoneum. I can't believe I couldn't do it. I couldn't push anymore. Don't be ridiculous. Don't apologize. We've moved the bladder. Here's the uterine incision. Hey, it's going to be fine. I won't tell anybody if you want to hold my hand. Okay, we're ready now. How are the vitals? Still good. You can feel a little pressure now. Sippet is visible. And... Baby is out. Cutting the umbilical cord. Is she okay? What is it? What's... Say she's okay. It's okay. Oh, God. Oh, God. Is she okay? Just relax. Hold on. She's great. Oh, she's beautiful. Hey, everybody, I'm Rima. And I'm Sean. And this is Strange Indeed, a podcast dedicated to the show Black Mirror. Today we'll be covering the second episode of From Black Mirror, season four, titled Archangel. All right. I'm really excited to jump into this one, Sean. I don't know about you, but um, let's jump into our top five. What do you say? Let's do it. All right. So I'll go first this week. Why not? Um I'm going to top it off with, or sorry, not top it off, start it off with my number five, um, the relationship that Marie had with her dad. Um, I found that kind of interesting considering everything that happened like throughout the episode. I thought some of that was kind of telling. Um, I thought they had a good relationship, but I I think at times it was a little strained. I don't know if you picked up on on that. Uh, some of the the things that they kind of mentioned because he he was talking about after she took her um, took Sarah to Archangel to have that implant, and they were talking about it in the backyard. He's like, "Well, you know, uh, I, you know." He kind of mentions letting kids be kids, and she says, "Well, hey, remember when my arm broke because you didn't have a baby gate?" She kind of flips him off. You know, <laughs> they kind of have that exchange. It was kind of playful, but it almost just had a tone to it. I don't know if I'm the only one that picked up on that. I think that's um, very much like a a parenting a parent telling a parent how to parent, you know. Yeah. It's and you hear that to these days. It's like you know I've got older aunts and uncles and parents are like you know back in my day we used to you know play in the dirt and get dirty and you know we didn't have iPads or all these other things and I think that's kind of that seemed like that's the the point he was trying to make there was that you know it's mm-hmm. like back in our day we just kids were kids not all this fancy dancy stuff. 
Right. And probably because it's your own parent telling you these things and kind of critiquing you, you you kind of push your boundaries a little bit more than you would just anyone else older telling you how to parent or what they think of, of what you've, you know, your, your choice as a parent, you know, you kind of, you know, I, I've probably experienced that myself if, if my own mom hasn't ever agreed 100% with every choice that I made whenever I, you know, was making choices about how to parent my kid, you know, she kind of jump in and say something. And I think we probably would say something more to our own parent versus, um, or at least someone in our own family or something more than we would like a stranger or whatever. But yeah. I thought, I, th- I thought that their, in, their relationship was kind of interesting. When um, it, it seemed kind of like, a, I think like if, if you feel like your parents did a good job, you might be more open to listen, but I think she held mm-hmm. some resentment for how she was raised, even yeah. though it was, it seemed like she grew up well, she was, you know, a normal person. And her doing what she did was just a concern for her child's safety. Yeah. And so I think, you know, somebody coming back, but I was like, well, you know, yeah, of course you wouldn't have done this for me because you didn't care as much as I care. Like subtly, right. I think that's the thought she's having. Well, and I think we kind of see that a little bit later in the episode whenever they're in the kitchen and I guess she's leaving for a while and he's going to be watching Sarah by himself for a while while she's at work. And he's like, you know, well, I raised you and you turned out all right after a while. So I think yeah. that kind of was alluding to that, you know, she may have been like rebellious, push boundaries, which who didn't? Yeah. But, you know, I think it kind of, without really saying it, I think it, it kind of alluded to that. And I think that how we are raised really influence how we raise our own kids, right? I think so. I mean, yeah. you, you kind of, you said that. I mean, if our parents, if your parents were too protective, you may be the same way or you might be the opposite. I think you can kind of either go to one extreme or the other, or you might find a good balance. But I think we all kind of take how we were raised and say, you know, my mom or dad did this. I am never doing that, you know, kind of attitude. So I just found her relationship with her dad, like as a good base, at least for me and my top five to kind of start with, because I think that how she was raised and how she feels about um, how she was raised um, influenced greatly her decision to do what she did in this episode. So, yeah, and I wonder if uh, I mean it seems like their relationship was it wasn't a rocky relationship. Um, mm-hmm. It's kind of interesting. Like he did until he had his I'm guessing stroke or heart attack. Right. Um, up to that point, it seemed like it was kind of weird that they were living together. You know, because it wasn't mm-hmm. like he was in bad health. It wasn't like um, you know, it was a situation where he had to live there. So I don't know if maybe it was her that had to live with him because of financial reasons or him living with her because of financial reasons. They they really don't explain that. But, right. you know, in some instances, if there was hostility. Like, I bet there was a scene at some point where, you know, after he had his stroke or heart attack and um, he's getting on to her about the uh, the archangel, I'm sure she would have thrown it in his face and be like, hey, if it wasn't for that thing, that technology, you'd be dead. Like, right. this is what saved your life. Right. And, you know, we don't know how he died. I'm guessing like it might have been like another heart attack slash stroke or complications with what happened. But, mm-hmm. you know, like I, one of the things that was interesting with that is they really cut those scenes like you didn't really know, OK, why are they living together? You don't know. Right. How did he actually die? You don't know. How much, you know, uh, stress and stuff did that put on the family dynamic after that point? You don't really know to that extent. Mm-hmm. Um, but that that relationship between the two was very, very interesting for sure. Yeah. I, I agree. I think it was a good, um, gives you at least not a whole lot of insight, but I think gives you a little bit as to her actions and how, why she acts the way that she does in, um, 
you know, going to Archangel and doing what she does throughout the rest of the episode, too, as well, which we will talk about, I'm sure. So what is your number five? All right. So what I love with Black Mirror is they, they make like commentaries on things happening right now, but in a more like super technological way. Mm-hmm. So like in this situation, like, you know, I, I can understand, you know, as a parent, as you know, as any like even just owning pets and things like that, when when you lose them for a bit, there's that, you know, huge fear of like, oh, my God, like your brain goes to the worst. Mm-hmm. And Marie at this point had that situation happen, like as a very young daughter, like it seems like she was a single parent you know, mm-hmm. from what most of this episode says. You know, she's at a park. It's a gated in park. You know, so there's not really like it's like my kid's in a fenced in place. And, you know, the kid takes off, you know, and she has this huge fear of like, oh, my God, what happened? But that in that pushed her to get this archangel installed because she needed to check, you know, keep an eye on her kid. But what that brings me to my number five is, is the idea of like how archangel can compare to like today's like social media, you know, phone monitoring that we have today of our kids. Mm-hmm. So when I was growing up, like. I'm I'm sure there's a lot of because you know I was at the age uh, of where like internet was just starting to come out so my parents didn't really know enough about it you know there was a lot of times I'd be chatting with kids from school and probably saying things that I would be embarrassed <laughs> to this day for anybody to read yep there you know when I had my phone I'm sure there was text or calls that were probably you know again very embarrassing to to if anybody heard those things but today you know we like parents growing up now know those things happen. So they're like, okay, well, we're we're monitoring your Facebook, we're monitoring your phone, we're gonna monitor your text. Any text you send, we're gonna see it. And that's kind of what what happens in this extent with what this archangel is. It's a complete like you have no privacy. Right. And what's interesting <laughs> what's interesting is you mentioned it's like, oh, you know, Marie when she was younger had this rebellious stage. Well, guess who else is having a very rebellious stage at this point? Mm-hmm. And she's not able to have that. And there's trust issues there, too, because I know a lot of times growing like I think most parents, if they have a good relationship with their kids, are going to say like, hey, we're monitoring these things. And I know that leaves them open to be able to try ways around it. But that's what kids are going to do. Like if if my parents were monitoring all the things I'm doing, I'm going to go, like, oh, hey, I just found a brand new, you know, uh, instant messenger that my parents won't know about. I'm going to use that because oh, yeah. kids are kids. They, 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 they're going to push those boundaries because. You know, it's it's just a kid thing. Like, it's just natural, yeah. And that's exactly what Sarah does here. You know, she's she's in the understanding that her mom, like, because she can't get rid of this thing, too. That's that's what's really weird is, like, you know you have this implant that, mm-hmm. you know, based off of a trust situation, you're not going to be able to, your mom's not going to be able to look at it. Right. So she breaks the rule. She goes out with this boy, and uh, her mom, I guarantee you, like, this is a story that's happened, like, in numerous households except – you know, it's probably more of like the things like with sexting or stuff like that, where, you know, a parent opens the phone and is like, oh, my God, what is this text? But instead of just sexting, Maria got an eyeful of her daughter making it with a guy, which to me, like if if I was in that state, I'd be like, oh, my God, like I am destroying this thing right now. And this is we're never speaking of this situation again. Uh huh. Yeah. But in, and it's a social commentary of like, when should a parent stop? Like, when do you let kids be kids? Like, when do you start letting them be their own person and not hovering over them as much? You know, these are questions that I'll have to answer at some point. And mm-hmm. I think it's very difficult for it's going to be difficult for me. I'm sure it's difficult for a lot of parents to be like, OK, my kids at an age now where they need to be on their own. They need to make their own mistakes. You know, you're just kind of there um, as more of a more of a chaperone at that point instead of a like 
instilling everything because that you know when they're probably like 12 13 like everything that you've instilled in them they probably have at that point right so you know when you have a 16 17 year old kid there's not really a whole lot you could probably tell them that's going to deter like going to detour where they're going you know i'm sure that and that's that's not the the rule i guess it's or i mean i'm sure there's sit down you know come to jesus moments you're going to have with kids that are going way down the wrong path that you can fix but as long as they're staying kind of in the tracks going the right way they may detour a little bit to do things that you would deem like inappropriate or, or the way you wouldn't think that it should be done. But I always just go back to like kids have to be kids. Like you got to let them kind of figure out their own way of life. And you hope that you instill the right morals and, and moral compass that they, they make the right decision. They're not a hundred percent of the time, but they have to kind of find their own way at some point. I agree with so much of what you just said. Um, and if you don't, you can say, because I've, I've definitely known people that I've had this conversation with before, before, before I even had kids. And it's like, uh-huh. nope, like your my kids in college, they're going to obey my rules. <laughs> and I'm yeah. like, yeah, okay. Um, uh-huh. they're going to, you're going to know the rules they're obeying and right, then you're going to exactly. make it even, uh, and you're going to make it even more challenging for them because what happens in like this scenario, like Sarah had a really traumatic event happen and I'm sure she didn't feel like she could go to her mom and be like, hey, mom, this this is going on. But right. her mom was just trying to control her life, you know, going to that guy and be like, hey, you stop seeing my daughter. Yeah. And r- controlling this girl's life. Oh, absolutely. And and trust me, and you should know by now, Sean, if I don't agree with you, I'm going to tell you. <laughs> <If> I, <laughs> and that, that goes for anyone. If I have a disagreeing opinion, I'll I'll speak it and do so in a respectful manner. And I do agree with a lot of what you say, I think. Um, and I, I have to be really careful because I don't ever want anyone to think, because I'm not judgmental towards other parents. Just because we disagree or if I disagree with how someone parents their kid, everybody. And this kind of goes into my number four. So if you were done with your number five, yeah, go I'll ahead. go ahead into num- my number four because it's a good segue. Because I'm going to talk a little bit about exactly what you just talked about um, and just add to what you said. But I, you know, I would like to be really careful with what I say and I want everyone to know that, you know, anyone that's listening, I don't, I am a parent. Yes. And my daughter is, is, um, older. So I have been through the toddlers, the, 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 you know, toddler years, the, the, um, young years, preteen years, teenager years and such. And so I've, I've been through those stages and, um, I certainly don't know it all. I don't, um, I probably know more than some who have a baby, but I don't like to judge anybody for their parenting choices because there is like nothing more difficult, as you said, trying to figure out what is best and how to, you know, protect your kids, you know, the choices that we make for our kids. Um, And so that's my number four is where to draw the line. Um, So you want to protect your kids, but how do you know when or where to stop? There, there are no great manuals. You try to like take your own experiences when you were growing up. What did your parents do or whoever raised you? Was it your grandparents? Was it aunts and uncles, other family members, whoever raised you, you know, you use that as kind of like either a, a, a yes, I should or shouldn't go that far. You try to just use your own experiences. How did you grow up? What were the mistakes that you made? Um, Things like that to try and, and, raise the best person that you can raise. And I think all of us parents struggle with that. I know I always did. You know, I I don't think I ever struggled so much making decisions as whenever it came to like the concern of my kid. Um, 
and, and being indecisive and always second guessing myself always like, am I doing the right thing? Is this, is this going to somehow backfire and it's going to go the wrong way? Cause I think it's easy to feel like we're going either too far and being too protective or you're not doing enough. You know, I don't, I'm not sure if I've ever felt that great balance. Like, yep, I'm making the right choice. It's always kind of like, I'm either going too far or I'm not doing enough. Um, and I think when it comes to, you know, like in this episode that we, that we saw, like watching, you know, uh, or allowing your kids to watch uh, sex or violence in movies or TV. Uh, I think that where she aired in this episode was she just completely filtered things like that out, not just sex and violence in movies or TV, but anything that raised her child's stress levels. And I think just controlling it instead of having conversations with your kids because you think they're too young to have them is where she part way anyway, not maybe the whole issue, but part of where she went wrong because I've always been a pretty open parent and try to have truthful, honest conversations with my kid, no matter how old she was. Now, of course, age appropriate, you know, there, there weren't frank discussions about sex when she's three years old, but you know, as kids get curious or, you know, um, and ask questions and have conversations about things, not just sex, but just anything. She didn't have any kind of conversations. I don't think at all with her kids. She just went and controlled the situation. It's like, well, you're just not going to be exposed to it. And I think that's okay. I know there's lots of parents. I'm not saying go out and let your children watch whatever they want or anything like that. Um, you should certainly restrict things based on an age-appropriate basis. But I think I believe in having conversations with your kid. And I think everybody needs to um, do what they feel is right as far as those conversations. Uh, because obviously controlling it, um, it doesn't turn out well. I Because um, I know that when you're being controlled... And you're being told not to do something. And this is coming from my experience. I know everyone doesn't react the same way, but my own experience that, I mean, aren't we kind of prone to seek out what we're being told to stay away from? I mean, yeah, at that age, it's so tough. And I mean, I had pretty uh, lenient parents. So I think that's kind of where I'm like, you got to let the, and, and the mm -hmm. thing is too, like I was a pretty good kid. I think like I, I wasn't going out and partying. I wasn't doing things in high school that I mean, there's some things I'm probably like if my parents found out I did, they'd be like, oh, my gosh, like, why do we why do we give you such a, a leash to do things? But right. You know, it, it's it's like you said, this extreme both ways. And my number four is kind of like sheltering kids. So it definitely ties into mm -hmm. this. Yeah. Go ahead and go into your number four. That's good. And it's it's so and, and I know my first kind of rant was like, you know, you got to let kids be kids. But it's, it's still <laughs> like, you, you, you know, it any decision you're going to make, you're going to, you're going to contradict your, or probably, yeah, you're going to contradict yourself for sure. I bet as a parent, mm -hmm. I mean, my parents did it for sure. Um, and then you're going to, you know, second guess yourself. And, you know, I, my, my son is fairly young, so like he's talking a lot more. And all of a sudden the other day he said something that sounded like duck, but I don't think it was duck. <laughs> and so we're kind of oh, like, no. Oh, uh, what, what did he just say? I'm like, I think he said truck. We're going to go with truck. Go yeah, with truck. that's right. Truck, buddy. Good job. Another trucker, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, side story. So it ties into it. Um, when I was in high school, I worked at a grocery store. And this kid came in. He couldn't have been more than like four or five. And he uh, he asked his dad for like, they have like those little things by the sides, you know. And he's like, I want, can I have this, dad? And his dad's like, no, you know, we just, oh, we just came yeah. for this. And he's like, you guys are a bunch of duckers. <gasps> oh, my goodness. And I was like, I kind of looked up and he's like, yeah, that he said duckers. Um, he's kind of <laughs> got a potty mouth that we're working on. 
Like, we start out with, like, so much money in a jar, and every time he says a curse word, we take a dollar away, and he's never ended the month with any money. Oh, no. And I was like, oh. And, like, you could easily judge and be like, oh, my gosh, like, you're terrible parents, but. Then you have one of your own. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I didn't think that in the moment. I'm like, oh, like, you know, I hope I hope they get it to work out, because, I mean, that's got to be embarrassing for a parent. And, sure. Um, you know. Because kids, and if your son is starting to to form some sentences and saying things, you're going to learn that he's just going to pretty much say whatever's on his mind yeah. and have no filter. Yep. Well, and, and the bad thing is, like, you giggle because it's like, oh, my gosh, did he just say that? And then he gets you riled up, like, laughing. He's like, oh, if I say this, everybody laughs. Yeah, I'm cute. Look how cute I am. And the only good thing is my wife, I think, is taking credit for him picking up that word. So I'm in the clear on this, so it's even oh. better. Uh-oh. But again, it's kind of like what you said, like she kept everything away from her. And all of a sudden, once the, you know, the blinders were off, it was like, oh, my gosh, there's all this stuff out there. I associate it with like college. Um, mm-hmm. I went to a Franciscan college, which I wasn't really like super Catholic. It was just a college I got into. So I'm like, hey, I'll go there. It was in my hometown. But there was a lot of kids that went that came there from like private schools that were like, you know, parents had you on lockdown. You know, you were like very much like kind of like this, like controlled. You only got to do so much stuff. Once they right. got to college and those blinders were off, it's like, oh, you mean I can go out and drink? You know, I can stay up till three in the morning. I can mm-hmm. do all these things. Like, there's no parents here. And you just see them, like, struggle with that, you know, realization of, like, oh, like, as a grown-up, I can do all these things. But, you know, at the time when I got there, I'm like, well, yeah, I, I, you can do those things. But, like, I'm going to go to work the next day. Like, you know, I, you, I'm kind of here for an education, I guess. Like, I, you know, I did my share of partying, for sure. Don't I don't want to sound like a prude, but... Right. It's it's one of those things that like you just have to be exposed to enough of it maybe to kind of get an understanding of what's out there and not, you know, just get all of it exposed to you at once, if that makes sense. It does make sense. I don't know. Um, and I know it's not like that in every case, but you do hear so many stories, I think, of kids who are a little bit more isolated uh, because uh, when you are in high school, you're living at home. Um, and, and when you go to college, you're normally not always, because if you do maybe go to college in your town, maybe you are still living at home, but many kids are moving away from their hometown and going to college. So they're not under their parents, thumb, not as controlled and they're being exposed to, to the world, many more, um, different types of cultures and kids and and things that are happening and, and exposed to so much, they go crazy and you hear so many kids, you know, getting alcohol poisoning and so many horrible things happening to kids because they were never, and I'm not saying let your kids <laughs> do that stuff in school. I'm so not going there, but, um, I don't mean that. I'm just saying that kids get exposed to certain things and they don't quite know how to handle it. It's like, that's why I think that there are conversations that need to be had, you know? So, um, when kids do get exposed to certain things, cause she didn't know Sarah in the show did not know how to handle these situations when she, her mom would turn that filter on, even just walking her to the park and the dog or walking to school and that dog would bark at her. And she didn't know, not that she should have been afraid of the dogs. I don't want to say be afraid of dogs, but how the dog would lunge at her. And maybe she should have been not quite fearful, but just on guard, like, oh, that dog's going to leap out and bark at me. Because as soon as her mom turned off that filter um, and she was exposed to that dog jumping at her, uh, she jumped back and she went right into the street and almost got hit by a car. Well, that's the so, thing. Like, I was expecting like the dog to get out somehow, and for her not to know how to protect herself, like to get attacked by this blocked out thing. Right. She didn't know what to expect, and and it's you know her mom never exposed her to it, or and I don't 
know that she, you know, I know that she, uh, before she got the archangel, before, uh, when she was taking her to the park, right before she disappeared there in the beginning, you know, she was kind of, you could see the concern on Marie's face about the dog and her daughter being exposed to her and her being scared. She didn't want her to be scared. And I, I get that. Um, she could have just crossed the street and walked her to the park because she knows, yeah, that dog's up here. I'm going to just cross the street. That way she can still kind of expose her to it to not be so scared of it, but maybe not to have it so in her face. I think that you can kind of limit the exposure a little bit to where kids aren't freaking out about it because she kind of freaked out and jumped in the street, almost got hit. And I think that that's where, you know, part of where she went wrong is, is kids don't, you don't have those conversations and, and, I know that's not the case. You can still have those conversations with your kid and your kid's going to go to college and go bananas uh, being exposed to so many things. Um, it, it does happen. But I think that, you know, the I think that kind of thing needs to happen anyway, just having those conversations and setting those expectations and kind of warning your kids of like, well, you're going to go to college now and this is what what's going to happen. Let's talk about it, you know? <laughs> yeah. And again, it's kind of funny. Our first two are very much like, hot button issues maybe you could say like I could see people to be like you don't know what you're talking about and honestly like I don't know what parent knows what they're talking about like you're I don't know anything I've ever been through that could have prepared me to be a parent like Mm -mm. I feel like I'm kind of it's day to day Mm -hmm. I'm trying to figure out things as I go you can read all the books you want you can talk to all the people you want and I still think each kid and that's the thing I think and maybe it's just more the the idealist of me is like I don't want to think of each kid as like this mold that you can kind of you know, form into your own thing. Like I like to think of people as their own blank slate that they can do whatever they want with their life and, you know, kind of become their own person, if that makes sense. Oh, and that's absolutely makes sense. And that's why I'm trying to be really careful about what I say, because I certainly don't want to tick anyone off. Because like I said, I don't judge anybody. And certainly my way of doing things and the way I've chosen to do things is not the right. I don't know that what I do is right. Even to this day, my kid has been through college. And so I've, like I said, I've been through the whole spectrum of, and I, I still, even though she's older, I still in a way kind of parent her and try to be there for her and talk to her and advise her and things like that and be there you know, in that kind of capacity, in that part of, in that stage of our relationship, she's not a little kid anymore. But, um, so I, I I don't want anyone to think that I'm, what I'm saying is right. It's, it's kind of what's helped me and worked for me. I'm sure there's way better ways. And, and like you said, you can take two kids and raise them in the exact same household and, and it turned out completely different for each one. So you're exactly right. No two kids ever fit into a mold. Even siblings who have been raised the exact same way turn out to be completely different. I mean, I totally get that. I just think that that's just maybe the better approach than just completely controlling every. To me, having like complete control and having your kids under your thumb never works out. But that's just my opinion. And please don't write me and email me and tell me I'm a dumbass. And you you definitely could. Because I'm sure there's kids that like – like I was trying to say earlier, like kids that just completely go off the rails and like you have, like you, you can't not watch what they're doing because they just, for some reason are always getting in trouble or just, you know, something's going on that they're not, not growing up the way you'd want them to grow up, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm a little bit, I guess, um, kind of, uh, passionate about this because I know a person that was in this, this kind of situation where if this thing existed, they would have had it and their parent would have used it like all the way through college. Right. Yeah. And you know, I, I had similar conversations like this before and I kind of got like, you're a dumbass, Sean. Like you can't do that with kids. You have to basically rule them with an iron fist and you basically dictate how they're going to grow up. Yeah. 
And I just always feel like when you say things like that, you're kind of saying that, you know, you're like, oh, I can control a kid and make them into what they're going to be. And I feel like you can help guide them in that direction. But I just like to think of people as more of, like I said, a blank canvas that, you know, they can do the things that they want to do when they grow up and, you know, kind of become the person they want to become. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I, I kind of, I, I go, I go in with that as well. I just, I don't feel like anybody who's ever completely controlled their children from the time that they're infants, high school, college, I don't feel that it ever goes well. I mean, maybe that kid does do exactly every single thing that you want them to do, but do they really love you for it at the end of the day? You know, I, I don't know. I mean, that's kind of what this episode kind of showed. I mean, it's it's kind of later in my my notes, but I mean, we see it doesn't end well for these two. Yeah. Now again, I'm sure there's stories out there where this worked out well. Yeah, there could be. I'm I'm open. I'm just gonna say that I am open to all possibilities. I'm not a perfect parent. I don't know it all. I mean, my kid turned out pretty good compared to you know whenever I whenever she'd come home and tell me stories about you know, like in high school or something and other kids going through situations and I'm sitting here going, Oh, thank, thank God. That's not me. Uh, having to go through that. I got pretty lucky. And I, I honestly, I don't really attribute that to my parenting. I think I just got lucky cause I got a pretty good kid. You uh, know, that's she what, just, that's what my parents good. say about me and my sister. They're like, you know, I'm always like, you know, you guys did a really good job raising us. And like, you know, we probably didn't, you know, we were just kind of there and you know, we're lucky to have two kids that, you know, grew up to meet like great people and to grow up and, you know, have good jobs and things like that. Like, I don't know if we really did anything. If we did, we don't know what it is. Exactly. That's like, if people are like, oh, you did a really good job with her. And I'm like, I wish I could tell you what I did. (laughs) Was it like, because if I did, I could probably write a book or something (laughs) and be talking about it and be making some money off of it or whatever, because I don't know what I did. I don't feel like I know everything. And people are like, well, what'd you do? And I, I don't know. I was here. Well, I think it's like I, I, I fed her, and, and <laughs> you know. The- <laughs> I think it's like Chris Rock's line in one of his things. It's like the main job of a parent is to keep your kid off the dancing pole, mm-hmm. and like I was telling my wife, then you're a success. <laughs> yeah, but I was telling my wife today, I'm like, you know, I think I was a stripper in a past life, and she's like, yeah, you probably were. So <laughs> <laughs> I think you were, Sean. I think you were. I think that says a lot. <laughs> Uh, but I mean, that kind of ties funny. into my number four and I, 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 hopefully we can get like these next three maybe because I feel like this is going to be the one we get a lot of hate mail and I, I don't know. mean to. I, I hope not. I thought about this. I thought, oh, please. I, cause I don't want to come across cause I'm not, cause like I said, I don't know everything and I, what I do is not right for this person and that child because I do know that, like I said, you can have siblings raised in the exact same household with the exact same rules and not everything works for every person. And sometimes you have to make adjustments based on that child's personality. Um, and, and there's all kinds of factors that you have to make adjustments for. And I totally get that. That's just something I do feel strongly about is that like control, ultimate control that was displayed in this episode I don't think always works out very well. I'm going to say that if it's worked out for you, uh, Yahtzee, good. I'm happy because I, all I want are good, well-adjusted human beings out there. However, yeah, sure. it, what, whatever you did to get them there to be happy, well-adjusted humans out in our world today, I don't care how you did it. I really don't. I'm open. Um, and I, I say kudos to everyone. So did you want to say anything else about your number four? Nope. That kind of time my number four is just kind of that question of sheltering kids. Cool. So my number three is just, um, it's about Archangel itself. Just questioning, like, should this technology exist? I'm sure, as you mentioned, 
you know, some people probably would love to have something like this. Like they feel they, they do need to have something like this to monitor their children. And I get that. I really do. Don't think that if this had existed when my kid was little and if it was something that was affordable, I wouldn't have tinkered with it myself um, of, of bouncing that idea around that that would be a possibility or something. Um, and, you know, I don't think we're so far off of having something like that. Will we have something like that? I don't know. I can't predict the future. Um, but I know that there was a company, and you may remember, because I know you're kind of in the IT world yourself, Sean, so you probably have heard of it. But I know there was a company not long ago that were, was insisting that their employees got chipped. Do you remember oh, that? Oh, I don't remember hearing about that. No. There was, yeah, they were insisting that their employees uh, get microchipped. And I don't remember where it was supposed to be placed. I don't know if it was like in the wrist or the arm or something like that. And I, I and I'm honestly, it, the reason escapes me as to why they, they wanted to do it. I, I meant to look it up prior to this show, but um, I got busy with other notes. Um, but, and then they already have stuff like that for dogs. Um, I mean, we can't see what our dogs see, and it's obviously not as advanced as this Archangel, but, you know, we already have something like that where you can microchip your dog, and if your dog gets lost, they're able to, you know, use that microchip to find them, which, you know, I think, you know, that's a great thing to have, at least for your dogs, because I know my dogs are not the best dogs. See, maybe I'm a great parent, and I'm a great, and I'm a really bad dog parent. <laughs> I don't think I'm a, I don't think I'm a very good dog parent, because my dogs will run away. The minute they, if they get, like, out of my hands and they see a squirrel, <laughs> they're gone. So look, people, you can judge me all you want. I'm not the best parent <laughs> and definitely not a good dog parent. My dogs don't listen to me That's funny. at all. They just go and they're like, nope, we're chasing the squirrel. We're chasing the rabbit. We're getting muddy and we'll come home when we damn well please. Well, this time um, of year too, it's so annoying because it's so cold out. So you're like, damn it, now I got to put shoes <sighs> on. And you walk out you're like, oh, all right, now I got to go get a coat because you won't listen and I know because I'm usually like in the because this happens in the mornings. The squirrels are out in the mornings. They're just having their happy selves, you know, uh, jumping from tree to tree, having a great time. And they're totally torturing my dogs the entire time, especially uh, my lab mix who just goes bananas for squirrels. And it's early in the morning. I'm in my robe, probably. I'm not properly dressed at all for taking my dogs out. Sorry, neighbors. Um, you have to see me in my robe. Um, but. Filter that um, out, neighbors. Filter that. <laughs> filter that. Get your filter on so you don't have to see me in my horrendous uh, morning robe. I'm not a morning person, folks. I don't get dressed in the morning. I'm sorry. I work from home. I don't have to. Um, but, you know, I did look online a little bit, and there are a couple things that already exist. And I don't know if because, you know, as I said, my kid is grown, so I'm not looking to buy something like this for my adult child. Maybe I should. I don't know. But um, it, because as I think this kind of helps more with younger children, as uh, Marie did with Sarah being a toddler. And, you know, because kids wander off. I mean, we've all probably had a situation, and if you haven't, you probably will. I'm sorry. Even no matter how closely you watch your children, your kid might wander off away from you um even if it's just right down the aisle from you or into the next aisle when you're at a store or something like that um it happens and you know like i said i don't judge people for it because it may or may not have happened to me once um but i checked online and there's a couple things out there that are kind of similar obviously not as advanced but they have these smart watches have you ever seen anything like that i mean i know there's a lot of smart watches for kids so i, I mean it wouldn't take anything to put a little gps tracker in it 
Yeah, they have these are GPS smartwatches for kids, and they come. They kind of look like an um, obviously probably not as advanced, but they kind of look similar to like an Apple Watch for kids. They come in these fun colors, and they're like child safe. Like they have soft um, bands and things like that. I'm sure they're probably fairly indestructible because we know kids aren't the easiest on things. They break things. But um, the little description for these smartwatches, and this is just one. I googled it, and a whole bunch of options came up but this is just one that i picked i don't know the brand or anything but the little description says with this device on your child's wrist parents can open their companion app at any time and check their child's location there's even an option to set reminders for locations throughout the day and set safe boundaries around home and school for instance for the watch to alert you if your child strays so like let's say that you're sitting in your house i guess and your kid's outside playing in the yard and you've got this little like notification or something that if your child wanders away from the yard where it's safe for them to be you get like alerted or something i guess um so i don't think that that's complete because you know i can totally relate to the situation that uh, marie had in the beginning when Sarah's, you know, she's literally right there and the park is fenced in. I didn't see another soul in that park. Um, so I'm sure there was just like a little slit or cut or something uh, in the fence where she was able to slip through and chase that cat. I think it, one of the guys said that he, well, the guy that found her said that she climbed over the fence to chase a cat. Because it oh, wasn't a tall okay. fence. So I think she just climbed over it. Right. It was just a chain link fence that, you know, typical chain link fence that you would have in your backyard or something like that. But normally, you know, you would, normally I don't have it. I don't know. Um, I haven't seen too many kids climb fences, but what the hell do I know? I'm not out that much. And um, But, I mean, it looked typical, fairly safe. There wasn't a whole lot of people where somebody would just be able to, you would think, easily snatch her away. Her mom wasn't that far away. She was just talking with a friend. It's something that we all do, and it happens. Um, so you can kind of see where in that kind of instance, something like this, I don't think is that out of line. We all worry about our kids getting snatched out of their own backyard. It happens. It's horrible, horrible world, horrible people out there. But, um, I thought that it was just really interesting. The information that you got with this technology, you got not just their location, but you got their vitals. Like she was like even able to say, Oh, her iron's a little bit low. Um, how's she eating? I thought that was just a little. I thought, oh, I don't know if I like that. I mean, it's just well, that's a lot. The the first thought I had when this came up, because I mean, my my son's like again very young, so like I know they have these uh, these things you can put in their crib because it's it's they're like owl, I think is what it's called. Mm-hmm. But essentially, they're because you know, SIDS is always something as a new parent, like you constantly worry yes. about. At least I'm a worrier, so you know, when when we first brought our son home, like I'm like every night, I'm like, oh my gosh, like expecting the worst, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um. Mm-hmm. Which, of course, you you probably don't have to worry about that, but they build, they create things now that you know they monitor their heart while they're in there. So like something like this, I'm like, oh my gosh, like you know, if Absolutely. if something like this was happening, if I could know sooner to save his life, like yeah, mm-hmm. I'm all in. And before they yeah, got- you're right. I mean, and especially if your kid may, maybe has like a health condition, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, or, or they have an illness or something that they're struggling with, and it's it's important to maybe monitor their levels or their vitals or something just to make sure if they have an episode or something that occurs due to their medical condition that you're alerted, maybe something in it that triggers an ambulance or something if necessary. Like whenever um, she's like, oh, just enter your pin and hit this button and the police are alerted if she goes missing. Something like that. Maybe if, if your child has some sort of health condition and needs to be monitored for it and you're not 
in the next room or you're away from them or they're out in the yard, you're in the house and um, you don't see them. I can see where that would be. It would just, it just seemed a little invasive and um, but I don't know, I guess I can kind of see, see the point in that. You're right. And the SIDS thing is scary. We didn't have, I've seen monitors nowadays, like you mentioned, uh, that stuff didn't exist when my kid was little. There there were no such, and if there was, I didn't know about it. No one told me about it. I was kind of an isolated young mom. Um, I didn't have like a mommy group or something to help me out with these kinds of things. But um, so I was kind of doing things on my own. So if it existed, I wasn't aware of it. But I remember, you know, always like, I don't feel like even though my kid slept through the night pretty well when I first brought her home. I still didn't sleep because I felt like I was up every hour checking to make sure she was breathing because she, because it's like you learn, it's like ingrained in your brain that babies don't sleep. Yeah. So I had it kind of ingrained in my brain that something's wrong because my kid is not waking up in the middle of the night. Like she's supposed to be waking up and fussing either from you know, a wet diaper or she's hungry or something. So I thought I would wake up and go, why isn't she waking up? So I would always like go and is she, is she still breathing? I'd like put my finger underneath her nose or I gently put my hand on her back or her, you know, something to like make sure she was still breathing. So, there was a few times know. where I would, before I'd go to bed, I'd walk in and check on, check on my kid. And, you know, I, you know, it's like, cause babies like barely breathe too. Like it doesn't, sometimes it's obvious that they're like breathing. So I would like put yeah. my hand on his belly or something. And it'd be enough of a, a touch or something that he'd wake up and start crying. Yes. And then I hurry up. prophecy. <laughs> and so I hurry out of the room and I'm like, oh, babe, kid's up. Um, oh, Sean, you did not. No, I mean, I stayed up with her. But usually when he was younger, it was because he was hungry or something like that. But um, oh, You're telling on yourself. He's, he's good now. Like, I'll walk in because, again, like, I'll be kind of worried or something. I'll walk in and he just kind of pops his head up. He's like, huh? I'm like, oh, nothing but night. And walk out and he'll pass right back out. Oh, that's good. Yeah. See, I can't, I, it's hard for me, you know, as much as I'm like, oh, just let kids be kids. I, I'm that parent too. I do like, I would go check on my kid all the time, um, especially as an infant. But then even when she was old enough to where SIDS didn't like become an, shouldn't have been an issue anymore. I'd still go check on her. She's still okay. She's still doing all right. She's breathing okay. And, you know, um, I'm, I'm that parent too. I got, I had my issues with being overprotective, and, uh, you know, it's, it's like, everybody's kind of got their thing. It's like, you get overprotective about these things, but you're maybe not so much about these other things or vice versa for other parents. So everybody's kind of got their, what's important to them, you know, kind of thing. And, um, that was, that was definitely my thing, but I think that's probably a first time parent thing too. When you yeah, have your first yeah. one, isn't that kind of like a joke is you have your first kid and you're all about being perfect and mm -hmm. overprotective. And then by the time you have your second one, you know, there's like poop flying everywhere and you don't <laughs> even care or something. I don't know. <laughs> it's like, well, the first one survived. So this one should be good too. Exactly. We made it through the first one. The second one's, uh, you know, easy, but just to kind of go through a little bit more of about the archangel technology, you know, we've got the locations, the vitals, you can see through your kid's eyes, you can do that filter if you choose for parental control um, and, and how I feel some of that's probably not so, some of it's good. I think some of it's not so great. Uh, but on the flip side, there is good that come comes of it. Cause as you mentioned before, uh, Marie's dad had his episode on if it was a heart attack stroke, like you mentioned, I, they didn't specify um, it clearly if, if she hadn't had that, uh, he could have died mm -hmm. or, you know, something, it could have been ended in even more tragedy um, if, you know, uh, they hadn't had that, uh, Sarah also could have went missing again. And with this 
device she would have been able to find her you know if she had wandered off again or or something like that happened again because I know some kids look like I said I know all kids are different and no no one parenting technique works for every child Um, you can have one kid that is you know listens pretty good and listens to the rules and listens to you as a parent and follows the rules and then your next one is a, a Tasmanian devil and they're just everywhere and they're into everything and they wander off you know my little brother was really bad about wandering off you know like my daughter would stay with me for the most part when we were in a store and she was pretty good about not wandering off it happened once yeah it did I'll, I'll admit it I'm not perfect but my little brother would just go he'd just go and you know, it's like kids are different and I get that. So I think in that, that instance, it would have been good, but I think it's also slippery slope because she notices she was helping her dad. This was after she brought her dad, I guess, home from the hospital and she's helping him get settled in. Sarah runs into the kitchen and Marie yells at her. Um, she turns her thing on and sees what, she, what she's up to. And you can see her sneaking in the cabinet to the cookies oh, yeah. and she yells at her not to have more than one cookie. And I'm like, oh, man. And, I mean, that's fine. We all tell our kids, hey, you just one little treat, you know, whatever. But it's like, isn't that kind of the fun part of being a kid, too, is, you know, not always getting caught or, you know, being able to have a couple. My kid used to hoard candy. I'm going to tell you, like I said, I am not the perfect parent. I walked in and found my kid's Tootsie Roll stash, you know, she <laughs> when she was, like, three years old. So... You know, it happens. But I just, I thought the technology was interesting. And a contrast to that, I think what we see a lot with, um, and I know that you were, you've been watching other Black Mirror episodes and kind of getting caught up. And I know this is an anthology, so one episode doesn't affect the other. But what we normally see in others with this advanced technology is like the homes or cars are advanced. That wasn't the case in this episode, which I found interesting. Like there was some very advanced technology, but the homes were just like your regular average homes. They yeah, didn't good look- point. Yeah. super updated and they didn't look and like the cars just look like your regular cars that you'd see today so i thought it was quite a stark contrast this super advanced technology that they had um versus like just regular homes that you would see today so it seemed like it was kind of the future but only as far as the technology not everything else i just found that interesting one well, is another uh like american sounding cast in this one too like it seemed like it was taking place in the states whereas most right. of these sound like they take place in like great britain Yep, that's true. Yeah, yeah, good point. I didn't I didn't even pick up on that, but yeah, you're right. Yeah. So that was kind of long, but that was my number three was just um on the on the technology itself. Um do you have anything that you want to say about the technology or well I think it, that? it'll kinda of tie into my number three and my number three is really the montage of her growing up. Like I really liked that, you know, you saw her going by the dog and it was being blocked out and mm-hmm. going back to the Archangel, when I first saw her get it, like, you know, she's like five maybe four or five mm-hmm. and i can see that like oh my gosh like when your kid's like zero to like maybe 10 11 like that would be a really good thing to have because like you know getting nervous at night you know you you don't have as much fear of like you know when you're in stores and things like that because you kind of have more visibility on your kid because like you said kids can wander mm-hmm. and then also kind of knowing their health right away because there's plenty of times where i'm like you know kid just doesn't seem right like something he doesn't seem like he's feeling good and if you could just pull up his stats and be like, oh, he's, you know, he's got a little virus. Let's go and get, you know, something to help help him or give him some yeah. kind of antibiotics. You know, he's got an ear infection. Let's let's see what we can do to get that fixed. Yeah. But as she gets this, and I think it was the first stage when she jumps up a little bit, I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, I'm like, like how do you turn this thing off? <laughs> because 
I know like my parents would have probably like would have ha- liked to have something like this to to as I grow was growing up, but I don't think they'd want to see what I was doing when I was, you know, becoming a, you know, no. teenager no. and things like that. And it'd be super embarrassing. It's like cuz not only would they they could see it live, but it's recorded, which, you know, that gets into Ugh. your whole questions of like, you know, oh, you know, it, Sometimes you'd like to go back and see, like, oh well, how did this, how did this thing play out? Like, I don't, I thought it, I thought it happened like this, but did it really? Mm-hmm. But I would not want to go back and see like the the greatest hits of Sean. Like, <laughs> let's just let that live in the past, right? But it was really cool to kind of see her growing up and seeing like, um, like as she walked by the dog, you saw the dog was you know kind of barking at her still, and then you slowly see it start to get older and kind of not as like aggressive and. And then at some point when she walks by, the dog's not even there anymore. And I thought that was just kind of a cool showing of like how time is, you know, like, you know, we, we get into these modes of, you know, walking past the same buildings and not even really paying any attention. And then you say like, oh, well, it's been 20 years and now that building's getting tore down to put up a McDonald's. And it was kind of a a neat little um, montage of just not only her growing up, but just a time in general. Yeah, I agree. It was a nice progression from when she was really little um, to her, I don't know what age she was, but yeah, like 10, 11, um, thought that was really cool until, and into when she was a teenager was really great. Well, I think that's a great, like, I think that's all parents, like, you don't realize your kids are probably as grown up as they are until, um, I don't know when you even realize it, because how many people (laughs) do you see, like, you know, that are friends of your parents, they come back, oh my gosh, you've gotten so big. Yeah. And your parents are like, have they? They're like, yeah. He's, yeah, he's... you don't see it. You see him every day. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, he's 12 or... now. Yeah. And like, oh, wow. Like, yeah, he's he's actually grown up. Like, oh, crap. Yeah. Well, and I mean, I, I kind of fall. Um, I, I do have that with my own kids sometimes. I and maybe all parents do. I've heard, you know, talked with a couple other parents that kind of feel the same way. You know, I look at my kid, you know, older now and I look at her and I still see my three year olds a lot of times. You know, I had so much fun. Um, three was a really fun. I mean, I loved her at every age. I really did. And every age was fun. But three was a really fun age because they start, uh, not only are they talking and saying sentences and things, but they're really kind of finding themselves, discovering themselves, getting those personalities are really developed and get a little sassy, or at least mine did. <laughs> um, she was definitely a little bit of a sassy three-year-old. Um, and as challenging what that age was um, at three, and I think a lot of parents who've been or who've had a three-year-old will agree three can be challenging. Um, it was still a super fun age. And from then on, it was just a fun roller coaster. But um, I see her fully grown, is t- taller than I am, and I'm a tall person. Um, and I look at her some days and I'm, and I still kind of see that three-year-old and I'm like, what the hell happened (laughs) and where did time go? That's for sure. Um, so yeah, I think that was, um, a really great little montage and to kind of see that. And it's like, she grew, but it's like a lot of things didn't, the houses still look the same. Their kitchen looked different. Their kitchen looked great. They had a great kitchen upgrade. Um, you know, whenever you saw her as a teenager, the kitchen had been painted and some looked like some new counters and such. So that was um, I, I think kind of go with some of the progression of, of how much time has passed from the time when she was really little and got it to where she was older. Um, but yeah, really good. Number three, do you have anything else you want to say about that? Yeah. You just talked about like, uh, not knowing that your kid grows up and kind of like thinking three was a good age. Like I get like every now and then I get hit in the face with like, you know, at some point my kid's going to be like, dad, you're not really that funny. And that's going <laughs> to, that's going to hurt. 
like right now I'm kind of a cool dad, I guess. And like, he has fun, like, you know, you know, but at some point he's just going to be like, get out of my room, dad. I want to play video games. Well, I feel that that's a pretty typical phase with kids, but let me give you a little spark of hope that it will probably come back around. I've kind of, I've kind of heard that. Yeah. Yeah. He might think like roll his eyes. I mean, I, I had a little brother. I didn't have a son. So I only know my boy experience. So I know boys and girls can be different. Um, but you know, I think all kids go through a point where their kids or, you know, they think their parents are the dumbest people or what do you know? Um, you know, you don't know anything or you're not funny. You know, yeah, they think you're funny when you're toddlers, um, but they're, but then you're not funny. But it kind of comes back around a little bit. I think all kids go through that phase where their parents were just so uncool. <laughs> um, but it comes back around, I think. No worries and stay strong is all I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, my um, number three was just kind of tied into that montage. thought it was pretty uh, cool. Yeah, it was. It was good. I liked it, too. I liked it where she was on the swing set, you know, and – you could kind of see how she had, had kind of grown a little, and I thought that was pretty cool. Black Mirror, you got to give it to them. They do some great things. And we didn't even mention yet that this episode was directed by Jodie Foster. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I really like her. I liked her as an actress, and I really like her as a director. Um, I've always really enjoyed her work um, over the years, so I thought that was pretty cool that they got her to uh, direct this. I thought she did a really, really great job, and that this episode kind of – as many Black Mirror episodes do, uh, this really stood out. Um, so I really enjoyed that, um, how she handled that scene or that whole montage. Um, okay, so that kind of takes me into my number two a little bit. This is something that um, I'm just going to kind of skirt around the edge of because I know everybody has lots of different opinions on things. But what kind of bothered me about this episode, and maybe not so much the episode, it's just like how the mother decided to handle the situation because we've talked a lot about how, you know, instead of going one way, she went this other extreme way of, of having her daughter microchipped, implanted, whatever you want to call it. But what bothered me about it was her daughter was so young and I get, I get that, um, and why it would be beneficial and why people think that it would be good. But what bothered me was, um, consent is my number two. This, I think, uh, this ties in, I think, to my number two, where, where she went and um, got the EC pill for her daughter. Is that kind of what you're alluding to, or just all in general? Consent all in general. Consent okay. about being microchipped and having this thing that she's going to have to live with for the rest of her life implanted in her brain. She didn't get a choice in the matter, and I can see why at you know her daughter's two, three years old, four maybe, when she was microchipped and you know, wouldn't understand if you tried to have that conversation. And that's probably when a lot of people feel that you need to have something like this uh, because that is an age where children are wandering off and, and they can be, they can be monkeys and they can just disappear right underneath you. And I can see the need for it. I, I do, but it, you know, I didn't even like to have my, when my daughter, you know, I didn't like to have my daughter's ears pierced until she was old enough to tell me that she wanted it to be oh, done. Yeah. You know, it's like, I, I just didn't feel right having her ears. And that was just my own personal decision. I don't care what other people do. I really don't. And I don't judge people for it. Everybody does their own thing. And I'm perfectly fine with that because I'll be damned if anyone's going to tell me what to do. <laughs> so I certainly don't tell anyone else what to do. But my own personally, I didn't feel right until my daughter was old enough to say, Mom, I want my ears pierced. And I'm like, okay, well, let's talk about it. And let's make sure you want to do it. You know, it's going to kind of hurt a little bit. And we talked about it. And you know, she still wanted to go through with it, and we went and done it. 
um, you know, but to me, it's just consent. And then, yeah, you talked about, you know, what she did later when she put in her, because we already kind of established that the mom puts these probiotics and just whatever she feels appropriate for her daughter's health in her smoothies and her daughter's just used to it. So yeah, she, after that, she has this encounter with this boy, her mom gets the, um, I guess you can call it like the morning after pill, um, which I, I haven't read too much because I don't want to get too wrapped up in, into controversy or for anything to color my view on when we're going to talk about an episode. But I think that there was a lot of discussion about this online and I'm not going there at all. But there's consent for that as well. I mean, her mother was essentially giving her something without her knowing about it. And I just rub me the wrong way. <laughs> I feel like it's taking it just a little bit too far um, in that way. And so that was... That's my number two. I'm going to try and stay as vague as possible <laughs> about that because I know there are some very strong viewpoints and I respect everyone's viewpoints as much as I expect everyone to respect my viewpoint. It's just consent. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that my, my number two is kind of tied into to that situation with the EC pill and, and, and more so with like, to me, I, I, you know, when, when the alert came on her thing and you see her drive up to that uh, um, uh, pharmacy, like mm-hmm. my thought was going to be like, this is going to be like the them coming together moment. Like, you know, you don't have to deal with this alone, but instead the mom kind of took it into her own hands and did what she thought was best. And again, like what I thought would have been like an, an interesting scene and interesting to, to see this play out is her mom. Cause basically that's where the big confrontation happens is, she, you know, Sarah finds out that she was pregnant. And her mom did this thing that, that stopped it. Right. And like, to me, I'm thinking, I'm like, well, we didn't see Marie have like a, a like husband or, or there was no dad in the picture. So I was trying to think like, well, was Marie like 15 when she got pregnant and she had mm. Sarah. And so this was like in her mind, like, listen, having a kid at 15 ruined my life. And so right. she thought she was doing the best thing for Sarah. And like, could you imagine that scene playing out? Like that's like a family drama TV show or movie. That's like, like one of those after school specials that well, used to run. Well, yeah, day. no, because Maria'd be like, "Listen, I got pregnant when I was fifteen, and and you know, having a kid like stop, like I couldn't do all these things I wanted, and like it really hurt my life." And yeah. then for Sarah to be like, "Are you trying to say that like I've ruined your life? Like having me ruined your life?" Right. And like that again, that would just be like all these other things that have been piled on top of each other would come tumbling down, and then that's where Sarah would have this kind of event that happened at the end too, where she just kind of loses it. Um, but yeah, it kind of goes right into your consent. It's like Sarah didn't have a choice in this and she didn't have a choice in having this thing implanted in her brain to, to keep her monitored. And, um, her mom didn't let her kind of decide anything else after that point either, I guess. So kind of skirt around the edges. I might've got a little bit closer than you did, but, um, Mm -hmm. uh, I guess what, let's go with our number ones. Let's just go with our number ones. Like I said, it it can be so... It's okay. I think <laughs> I, I'm feeling okay about it. I'm like I said, I'm, I know people may still write in regardless of what we say and that's okay. I well, as long as you're respectful about what you say, I'm okay with it. I really am. I just, you know, cause like I said, I'm not judgmental and, um, you know, you do what's right for you. That's my attitude. You do what's right for you. You do what's right for your own family, your own children I just expect the same courtesy. Let me do my thing. And what, you know, and if I have an, a little bit of an opinion about that, I'm allowed my opinion and it's okay if we disagree. I have best friends that I disagree with how they parent their children. And I'm sure they look at me going, well, you're freaking crazy for how you, <laughs> you let your kid do what? Um, I'm sure has been, <laughs> you know, um, 
said many times, uh, I'm sure I've made, I know I've made plenty of questionable decisions because I'm not perfect and I don't claim to be. That's why I don't judge <laughs> other people because I'm not perfect. Um, so my number one is consequences. So I think that just kind of leads us into what we see happen there at the end. And, you know, through what her mother chose to do and the choices that she made, uh, not just for herself and how she decided to parent her children, but she was making decisions for Sarah. Um, and, and I feel that that was unfortunate because she never, Sarah never learned how to handle situations or handle anything that caused her stress because everything was filtered out. And, you know, even her mom, you know, we see her when she was a little girl after um, Marie's father died and they're at the um, graveyard. Uh, Sarah couldn't even see her mom cry. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and I, you know, I thought, well, gosh, that little girl isn't even going to learn how to mourn um, or how to, to, to try and handle things. And like I said, everybody kind of handles how they feel things, um, how they need to handle things as far as when, when um, you know, family members die and how their children are exposed to that. But, you know, at some point you lose people because death really is an inevitability in our lives. We lose people. And at some point you have to learn how to cope with that. However you decide to expose your child to that, that is something that happens. And you can't protect your children from that because it happens. And that's something that we can't ever change. And I think that this is partly of what happened and what contributed to her really extreme reaction to her mom when she found out how far her mom had went. Um, and, and found out that, you know, she saw her having sex with that boy. She saw her doing drugs with that boy and um, and and gave her that, that pill without her knowing about it and controlled just everything in her life, and she never learned how to process. And it appeared there wasn't very good communication. As I said, she never chose to really – and if, if it happened, we didn't see it, uh, but it didn't look like she ever communicated to, to her, her daughter about these kinds of things. Um, and I, you know, I think that is partly what led to, to some of what happened, you know, cause her mom started this path to protect her child and she took it so far as to controlling her, but she lost her anyway. The very thing that she was trying to protect her from and prevent losing her and her going missing is what ended up happening there at the end. And, you know, I thought, well, what, what if she, because she went from one day where she was filtering everything as far as what would stress her daughter out, like the dog and the blood uh, seeing the the videos that she was being exposed to at school or certain language and stuff to then all of a sudden she just turns it off and just throws her daughter in the deep end. Maybe she should have started slow and make it a process, maybe turning the filter off to certain things to kind of make it a gradual process. I don't know if it would have made a difference, but maybe that was a mistake. And just one day it's on, the next day it's off, and you go from one extreme to the next um, you know, the daughter, Sarah, she kind of went bananas with some of her choices. I mean, she, she went from one day kind of being really sheltered and not exposed to now she's doing drugs and then, <laughs> you know, just like, oh yeah, let's just try some drugs. I thought, wow, that's kind of really kinda, throwing yourself out there. It kind of seemed like she thought like, this is what you're supposed to do. Cause you know, when she was younger and trick kind of showed her all those videos and stuff, it was just kind of like, mm -hmm. oh, well, this this is what kids are supposed to do, right? Like mm -hmm. um, kind of going back to the college thing. It's like, wait, we're supposed to go out and drink till four in the morning every night, right? That's what we're supposed to do in college. Right. Well, and it was kind of um, that also kind of goes into whenever, you know, she uh, had sex with Trick and they're in the in the uh, van afterwards. And he says something like, uh, well, you don't you didn't have to say what you said. And I think 
uh, I'm not going to repeat it, um, but um, she had kind of been acting, I think, how she thought you're supposed to act. Well, I think when, when you're I'm, having sex and he's like, you know, you don't have to say that. That's like a what a porn star or something would say because she doesn't know any better. It's like that's what she's been exposed to and never had that conversation or, you know, didn't know. And I'm not saying that that I mean, hey, we've all had, you know, it's, it's <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, he's, it's kind of like she it's like you said, it's like she thinks that's how you're supposed to act because she's never really been exposed to it or whatever. Yeah. And that's the thing, like. I don't, neither one of us, I think, can relate to like kids growing up now because there, there is so much of that. Cause like when she was, oh, I don't know, she was like 12 maybe when Trick was showing her that stuff. Mm-hmm. And so, like, you know, when I was that young, like you only had Playboys kind of thing. Like it wasn't like today you can go on the internet and see really, really like intense things. Uh-huh. And I got to imagine as a kid, you're like, wait, well, that's how it's supposed to be done, right? You know, because right. growing up, I was like, oh, wait, you're supposed to be a Ninja Turtle, right? That's what you're supposed to do. <laughs> and, you know, she got to she got to her first interaction. Everything she's seen is like, oh, well, this is what you're supposed to do. And so I think uh-huh. that's kind of just what happened, maybe. And I think that might have been kind of a little thing of like that stuff so much out there that it's difficult, I think, for a kid to to not know that that's how it's supposed to be, even though it, you know, right. When when you're when you know you're older and married, you know that that porn is definitely not <laughs> how sex is. <laughs> Exactly. And it's not like, and I mean, I don't know who has those conversations all up and say it. You know, I had conversations with my kid, but I certainly wasn't talking to her about what you say during the act. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, those got to be awkward conversations. I'm, that's one I'm, of the things I'm not looking forward to. It's not, I mean, and as open as what I try to be, I've just, like I said, my own personal way of parenting when this conversation came up and it was time to... Because it was like either have the conversation or she's going to be having that conversation with kids anyway. Or she's going to be – that was the age where – because, you know, I, I missed some of that. But when my kid was that age, it was kind of like the social media thing was coming around and things like that were happening. Things were happening in school that either you teach your kid or those kids are going to teach your kid. You know what I mean? So, you know, trying to get ahead of all of that and having that conversation was, you know, as, as open as what I always tried to be and honest with and having conversations with my kid did not make it any easier. It was still probably one of the most awkward things ever and difficult discussions I ever had to have. And, you know, no, I don't know, you know, that that never came up. Well, OK, so you don't act like a porn star. You do this. No, that never, never came up for me. And if you know, you do that, then kudos to you because you're, you know, braver than I am having that, that type of discussion because I don't think you really know that. Um, you know, I don't think you really know how to act in that kind of situation, but it just seemed like the rebellion and trying new things and experimenting, those are not new teen behaviors, but it's clear with how she reacted to her mom involving herself and trying to call how she tried to control her. She was not able to process and communicate. Like she just, she act. it's like she just was stuck in this low level maturity. I feel because she was sheltered and, and kept away from so many things and controlled for so long that she wasn't, she, she was still like not as mature as what she probably needed to be. She might've been doing mature things like doing drugs, having sex, um, and, and, you know, sneaking around behind her mom's back, seeing uh, this boy and ha- going to this party or whatever. But she was doing these things, but she wasn't at a level of maturity to handle doing those things. And I think that really showed when she did act out and she attacked her mom because she couldn't just yell at her. I mean, she did yell at her mom, but she couldn't like talk to her about it, about how that made her feel. 
um, and have that communication and that dialogue that they probably should have had that she just acted out like, um, you know, in a tantrum and attacked her mother. And it's not that she shouldn't have been angry with her mom. I think she certainly had, um, had the right to be angry, but I think in the way that she chose to act on it was not right. I think her mom definitely crossed the line with controlling her. She should have had discussions with her about things. That's just my viewpoint. I think that could have prevented some of what happened and what happened there at the end. And, you know, I feel like that it was a self-fulfilling prophecy of what she'd done. She was in the end, you know, all she wanted to do was keep her daughter safe and out of harm's way. And now we don't know. You know, she hops in this truck with this fella, and we don't know what happened to her after this point. Does she end up dead in a ditch somewhere, or does she go off to live a happy, successful life? We don't know. Yeah, and that's actually what ties into my number one is that self-fulfilling prophecy, because it is that kind of the Mm -hmm. thing of, you know, like I love, or it was kind of, I think, a very good, uh, a good uh, setup to this this episode where. In the very beginning, you see the mom, Maria, running around yelling for her daughter because she can't find her. And then you tidy it up at the very end in the same boat where she's outdoors yelling for her daughter because she can't find her. Uh, except in the beginning, she, you know, without the tracker, is able to find her daughter safe and sound. But now in this new world, or the in the later years, that when she does have this tracker, she still can't find her. So, you know, the thing that was meant to keep her protected and keep her, you know, kind of not really controlled, but keep her you know, somehow on the radar mm-hmm. is kind of the thing that pushed her away. Right. Um, and, that, and that all really ties into a lot of the stuff we kind of already talked about really, but you know, it's, you know, it's like what you said, you try to do these things you think is, is best for your kid. And, you know, sometimes you're going to second guess yourself and, you know, you, you kind of wonder like what's, what's going through her mind at this point. Like, does she feel like she made a huge mistake? Does she still feel she's right? And, you know, you, we won't really know that, but mm-hmm. she's on a truck headed somewhere. Hopefully, you know, She's heading to Nashville. She's going <laughs> to grab a guitar and start Have singing. Have a hit record. And- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the whole thing's a total uh, country music song, right? It really I mean, is, yeah. Yeah. So, Mama, yeah, put something in my head. <laughs> <laughs> she saw me drinking. She won't do it again. <laughs> I know, and I sympathize. I really do. Whether you think this is the right thing or not, I mean, like I said, we all, if you're a parent, and even if you're not, even if you don't have kids, you can relate because at one time, all of us were kids or teenagers, right? So whether, even if you don't have children, you can still relate to this episode as to maybe your parents were really controlling and so you can really relate to to Sarah and how maybe restrictive that felt or maybe you had parents who... Uh, maybe weren't as restrictive and maybe you wish they were maybe they didn't have as many guidelines and you wish they had Um, we've all had we can all look at this from different viewpoints and perspectives um, and we all have our opinions and i hope that we all just respect everyone's opinions and be kind to each other i'm just gonna throw that out there sure yeah if you're if you're halfway through your angry letter just just make it not from anger maybe make it from a conversation point Right. Sometimes what I find really helpful and people may not care what I think at this point, maybe they've done turned me off and that's fine. Um, <laughs> They're like, I got one more paragraph, Rima, go ahead. What, 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 what I find helpful sometimes is when I'm really angry at someone and I'm typing out that really angry email is just go ahead and type it out and then delete it because you've kind of released that and you feel like you've gotten some of that out and then maybe you can come back and revisit and retype that. I've, I've done email. that. I've done that with some emails before. 
you get through it. You say, okay, I've got, I've got the uh, initial upsetness out. Let me delete that. Let's start fresh. Right. Just keep that in mind, folks. And just remember that we are all human and I am not perfect and I don't ever claim to be. I am so like, I, I admit, I don't know how my kid turned out to be in, you know, she's not the most perfect child. Uh, uh-uh. I'm the first one to point out to her, her faults. That's for sure. But uh, I don't know what the hell I did. I don't. And, I don't. And here I am, my kid saying truck. Oh my goodness. <laughs> my kid. I'm gonna. Okay. So, like I said, I'm not perfect, and my kid, um, you know, was not the perfect angel. She had her moment. She was a really great kid. She really was. I didn't have a whole lot of uh, problems. Um, and like I said, I don't know. She just came out that way. Um, she was pre-programmed, I guess. And, uh, cause I don't feel I had two shits to do with how well she's, you know, behaved in life and not gotten into as much trouble because if karma had anything to do with it and the shit that I did as a kid, um, it would have come out and bit me in the ass and somehow it didn't. I got really lucky with her, but my kid, um, uh, was wrestling with, um, uh, her uncle on the floor. She was really into like the WWE, WWE wrestling and WWF. It was called in the day. Um, wrestling. She really loves Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Rock and all of them. And and, and my uh, brother-in-law uh, wrestled in high school. So she would just love to wrestle with him. She, she was like four and five years old and get him down on the floor and give him like the people's elbow and stuff. And she was so into it that we're all there just watching and laughing and giggling over them wrestling around how she thinks she's a little badass. And she was so into it that she called him a dickless warrior. <laughs> and, um, so yeah, this is in front of my in-laws and us, and I'm like, ah! <laughs> parenting fail, you know. That's funny. So, and I, I mean, that is not a term that I go around saying often. <laughs> so I'm like, where did she hear that? And it was from some movie. I couldn't even tell you what, but um, you know, my kid was exposed to things. My set, my kid said curse words. I'm not the most perfect parent. My kid's not an angel. So please remember that if you are composing a hateful email about um, that I'm a know-it-all or whatever, because I'm not, and I wouldn't want to be. And I know that not everything works, because I know I tried some of the same techniques on my little brother as I did on my kid that seemed to work for her, but my little brother certainly had a mind of his own and uh, did his own thing, that's for sure. So with that being said, I love you guys. Remember that. Um, <laughs> I love you. Um, let's go into some news. Uh, Sean, why don't you get us started on our first item? All right. So this is from the wiki page for Archangel. So written by Charlie Brooker, who is quickly becoming one of my favorite script writers. Yeah. Um, the episode is tended to be sympathetic to helicopter parenting. Annabelle Jones, co-producer of the series, said that the idea of Archangel came from microchip implants used to identify pets that, at the time of writing, were also being considered for children, Jones said. We wanted to think what the update version of this and find a really good idea of how that could go terribly wrong, which is kind of the M.O. for Black Mirror. Yep. (laughs) The original script gave Maria's father only a very minor part, but this was fleshed out by Foster. Foster will also influence other changes in the script. They're talking about Jodie Foster. Right. And offered many observations on the technology used and Maria's motivation for her actions after seeing her daughter have sex with Trick. Explaining the actions of her character, Maria DeWitt says in an interview that single mothers experience betrayal differently. Foster adds that when Maria realizes Sarah is lying to her but does not confront her, it causes a fissure. And Maria begins fighting a battle to win control. 
by attempting to prevent her daughter from leaving her. So Mariam is victim to a self-fulfilling prophecy as she engendered the exact result that she most feared. Yep, which we talked about quite a bit um, throughout the episode, that the very thing she tried to prevent happened anyway. It's sometimes just what happens when you're a parent. No matter how hard you try, your kids are just going to do what they're going to do. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Darn kids and their freaking minds of their own. <laughs> Damn it. Yeah. My kid, trust me, has made plenty of decisions I don't agree with. Um, <laughs> There's probably some you don't even know about. <laughs> that's very true. There's probably plenty I don't want to know about. She's pretty open with me and telling me things, um, but there's probably something she doesn't tell me. And you know what? I'm sure I'm okay with that. Yeah. That's um, uh, my, uh, my wife's mom will tell her constantly. It's like, listen, uh, I know there's probably things I don't want to know about or that you don't want to tell me. And I don't want you to. Mm-hmm. Some things you just, I don't want to be like, I can't imagine how horrifying you mentioned it. You know, uh, the, uh, I'm going to just call it like the little iPad thing where she is able to view what her daughter sees and it, it gives her access to all the controls and stuff. I would have been like you, I would have reacted the same. Had I all of a sudden been freaking out because her daughter, she, you know, she, she's lying about where she's at you know, and uh, says she's at a friend's house and comes to realize that she's not. So she goes and drags that thing out of the, out of storage after she's promised not to, to tinker with it and then turns it on and has to see that. Oh, my gosh. Bleach my eyes because I would have, like, stomped on that thing. Like, I'm never looking at this again. I've done cross the line. Oh, my gosh. No parent, I don't care who you are, wants to see that, right? So let's not go there. There's things you don't want to know, things you don't want to see. Um, so this next one is from IMDB. So just a couple fun little facts, um, that I found about the episode that I thought were kind of interesting and kind of ties into Black Mirror in general. So the first one is Archangel is the first episode of Black Mirror directed by a woman. Huh. Whoop, whoop. I did not know that. Yeah, I didn't either. Yeah, I read that and I thought, are you kidding me? Nothing to say against any of the show people, but we're here we are in season four already of Black Mirror and many episodes out. And this is the first one directed by a woman. Way to go, Jodie Foster and everyone else for getting um, in here and getting one in. Let's have more because this was really great. Um, so several devices shown are modified Apple devices, in case you didn't notice. Uh, the Archangel tablet charger is an iPhone charger. The desktop computer is an iMac with a modified screen. And the desktop keyboard is an Apple Magic Keyboard with modified keys. I didn't notice all that stuff, but I did notice when she plugged in the tablet that um, it looked very much like an iPhone uh, charger. Yeah, I saw, it looked kind of like an iPad, too. It had that same kind of look. Right. I think they just kind of slapped. A skin on it or something to like make it look not quite so the same but yeah very very similar i thought that was pretty cool um the website seen on the rex pharmacy sign it said www.rexpharmacy.net leads you to a web page with an image of the troll face seen in season three black mirror shut up and dance from 2016 so if if you guys are um have seen previous episodes uh, and you check out that uh, web address that might look familiar to you. It's kind of cool. Some of these little Easter eggs that ties into other episodes. Um, another one to demonstrate how the filter within Sarah's implant works. The doctor shows a combat scene from the black mirror episode, men against fire to three-year-old Sarah. That's another little black mirror episode. If you're familiar with some of these um, previous seasons, 
Uh, the last one is the memory recall interface in the Archangel program when Marie is reviewing Sarah's memories is similar to the grain memory interface in season one's The Entire History of You. Yeah, it's really cool to kind of, I'm, I've still got to watch all of season three, but it's kind of cool the, mm-hmm. the bits and pieces I've seen that you can kind of pick and choose. You don't need to see them to kind of get it. It's just kind of right. a cool little like small little tidbit. Like it doesn't add anything to the episode or the previous episode. Exactly. It's just kind of a nice little callback. Yeah, I think that's what they were. And I haven't seen any of the other. This is the only one that I've seen so far, episode two of season four that we're on. So I haven't watched ahead. But I've heard that a lot as I've looked through the news and reading things is that there's uh, more Easter eggs and little tie-ins. And it doesn't, like you said, it doesn't affect the episode. There aren't any sequels or prequels or anything like that. They're just like little homages to previous episodes um, if you're paying attention and have seen I encourage anyone I know I read a couple people are um, new to Black Mirror and maybe have only started with us with season four and thank you by the way Uh, that's really awesome that you're doing that but I would encourage you to go back and watch the other seasons that it is an anthology series you can just pick and choose if you want Um, but it's really great. If you're, if you're loving the season so far, the other seasons are really great as well. So I highly encourage you, um, to go check them out and not just for the Easter eggs. Yeah. All the the first two seasons I watched were um, really good. Like, Oh, I just love, I love this. I'm so I might cut this out, but I kind of feel like I like black mirror a little bit more than stranger things. (gasps) You have to cut that out. All right. I'll edit that out. (laughs) (laughs) No, I get it, though. I get it. And that's okay. I'm happy because I feel like I was a little bit responsible for introducing it to you. And um, uh, I love it. I don't know if I love it as much as Stranger Things, but it's definitely up there for me. It, I obviously, I feel passionate enough to want to podcast on it and talk about talk about it with you. Um, but yeah, I love it. And I love I love that. But I don't know if I want you to say that. You can leave that in there. I don't <laughs> care. It, it's um, editor's choice. <laughs> You have the controls, but I get it. It's a really great show, and um, it it certainly makes you think, Um, just like this one, I think, really makes you think about things. So we come to one of my favorite parts of the episode when we talk about the episodes and discussions and have our discussions is, what did you think? people out there listening to us and i hope that i don't have a, like uh sean mentioned lots of hate mail for next week hopefully we have some positive <laughs> things that people want to say to us after this one is uh listener feedback sean why don't you get us started on that first one all right so from erica land taking helicopter parenting to a whole nother level i'd say times two uh, Pake Allen says, my least favorite of the season, but still really enjoyed it. The whole episode, I just kept saying to myself, you can't do that to her. It's just going to cause more problems down the road. It's a great lesson in letting kids and teenagers be themselves, giving them a little space to grow and learn on their own. And when you do need to step in, that trust and communication are incredibly important. Mandatory, really. It always comes down to communication. Mm-hmm. Derek O'Neill, another excellent premise for Black Mirror in this episode. If you are a parent who has the shock of your child going missing, it would be hugely tempting to be able to know where they were at all times. But as the years passed and the addiction of Maria to keep Sarah protected from the danger of the world kept increasing, it had me shouting at the screen. Mm-hmm. I agree, Derek. Thanks. Mark Kirkman says... I loved this episode. It was mostly because Jodie Foster was the director of the episode. 
but the episode basically showed us that we should not overparent our children. When you do, the outcome can be far worse. Let the children learn as they should without monitoring them all the time. Let them be individuals and let them be who they are without Big Brother involved. Well, it seems like we got some people on our side so far, so we might be okay. Fingers crossed. (laughs) So Steve Brown said, I'm glad to admit that I'm enjoying the season. As disturbing as season one, episode one was to me, yeah, if if you're jumping into this, skip episode one. Or if you get through episode Come, one of season one, give two and three a try. Yeah. Yep. I have not watched any other season. Or so let me go back. So as disturbing as season one, episode one was to me, I have not watched any other season. Archangel was a scary view of where the world could go. My only question is, if the program was disconnected, why was the network still available to be used? Couldn't they have shut down the interface capability or stopped the pairing devices? Just a thought. Did they not tell us the specific reasons that the program was not in wide use? Yeah, I, I would imagine that that's probably the scenario of it's like it's like a phone. If you don't upgrade the OS, it still works. Right. So it was probably getting more clunky and slow, but it was still functioning. Hmm. Yeah, that's a really good point. That if because and yeah, we don't find out why the program was shut down. Like it got uh, what it was like in the UK and got shut down, and they stopped using it in the US and things like that. Um, is there not like a fail safe mechanism in the chip or whatever it was that was inserted that would be like we're we're just disabling this completely and she'd never even have the option to use it whether it was still paired up or upgraded or whatever yeah. I don't know my guess would be like when it was finally shut down if like they got sued that'd probably be like a lawsuit where it's like hey you have to basically do the kill switch to close the to basically stop the whole program mhm i knew you'd be able to speak to something just a little bit better being in the <laughs> it world um, I know very little. I know enough to to be kind of done with it. Um, so our next one is from the godfather of Podcastica himself. <laughs> Left us some feedback. I am honored, folks, to be reading feedback from Jason Cabassi himself. He says, I thought this episode was tragic and brilliant. As a parent, I know what it's like to want to protect and watch over my kids. But I can also remember what it's like to be a teenager when I felt drawn to the things my mom worked so hard to keep me from. Yep. Seems like seems like everybody's kind of in that same boat. Um, I'd be kind of interested to see if anybody does have the, the alternate perspective of it, though. Be kind. Be kind. <laughs> <laughs> so Laura Willie Swank says, A haunting episode and cautionary tale of how far overprotecting our children can go. I can emphasize with the mother's desire to keep her child her child safe, but an interesting dilemma comes about when you cross the line from protection to interfering in your child's life. One thing I note about Stranger Things is watching the kids ride around at night on their own without helmets. I remember that time and <laughs> thinking about how you never see that these days. Are we like Maria now? Have we put some so many bumpers around our children that we they've become blinders? Great episode by the magnificent Jodie Foster. Yeah, and I I was kind of thinking about this earlier, too. Like, you know, we always hear about, like, kids aren't allowed to kind of go out on their own anymore. Mm -hmm. And it's not because things didn't happen. There's a lot of bad things that happened in the 80s and 90s. I just don't know if it was as, like, uh, newsworthy or as, as, like, out there. Like, today, if a kid goes missing, like, it's over Facebook all over the place. Yes. And so I wonder if, if, like, society's kind of instilled this, this more fearfulness in itself. That and I, I wonder if because of you know 
when you broadcast things, you tend to get judged very quickly. Yeah, there's always somebody point. online to judge you for being, you know, oh my God, how could you allow your child to fall off their bike? Well, kids have bike accidents. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, kids are learning to ride their bike or they, they have a little accident. They go off the curb or they go off the side. Something happens and they fall and get a skinned knee. I mean, my kid, and my kid was danger prone. She you know, fell down and had bike accidents. Luckily, nothing ever, um, you know, extreme and tragic, but kids get bumped and bruised. But I think that comes with the internet and social media is, is judging. People judge you so harshly and people can be so mean. And it's like, you know what, we're all parents. Let's try to support each other and not, you know, condemn each other. Let's exchange ideas and, and be positive towards how hard it is to raise kids, especially in today. I couldn't imagine, I mean, you know, some of that stuff was kind of coming along when, when my daughter was growing up, but it was just very, very little. And I mean, cell phones weren't even a thing when she was um, young. And, you know, that just kind of was new, much less the internet and everything that it is today and texting and everything. Um, so I can't imagine the challenges of doing it today. I just, I think that's part of what comes with it as well. I agree. Really great um, feedback there, Laura. So the next thing that we have, we have a couple emails. Um, the first one is on Black Mirror. The second one is a Stranger Things email because we still have some people catching up on Stranger Things. So I wanted to throw it in here because I love reading everyone's feedback and I include everyone. So just as a FYI to everyone listening, if it sounds a little strange, it is a Stranger Things email. The first one that we have um, says, hey there, Sean and sister wife, Rima. I already know who wrote this one. I don't even have to read it. Um, just wanted to send in my thoughts on this particular episode of Black Mirror. I binge watched all six episodes of the season a couple of days ago. And upon first watch of Archangel, I was honestly a little unimpressed. While it keeps with the overall Black Mirror theme of everyday technological advances biting us all in the ass, it seemed to fall a bit flat, especially when comparing it to USS Callister, which came right before. The storyline was a bit lacking, and the ending was very predictable. After watching all six episodes, I ranked this one fifth or sixth out of the bunch. However, upon more reflection of this episode, I realized it relates more to me personally than any other episode of Black Mirror to date. I'm a stereotypical white suburban overprotective mom to my little girl. My biggest fear in the world is someone snatching up my three-year-old. So the scene where Maria loses Sarah at the playground was definitely relatable and terrifying. I'm the crazy mom who still has not unplugged my daughter's baby monitor video feed in her bedroom, even though she's well beyond the age I should have, because I'm afraid she'll fall off her bed and break every damn or break her damn neck or something stupid. The idea of having the ability to keep an eye on her whenever my nightmare worrying brain takes over would be incredibly comforting. But like in the episode, when do you turn it off? Would I be able to ever turn the feed off? Even if I could, the temptation to pull it out of the attic whenever I had any worry like Marie did would be too much for me to overcome. Additionally, I can't imagine ever implanting my child with some sort of chip or device in her brain, but who's to say that won't be a totally normal thing 50 years in the future? There was a company in the news a few months ago that had announced they were coming out with a policy to implant a microchip into all their employees to track when they came and left work and to track purchases in the office. At some point, this sort of thing will become normal. And as always, with every Black Mirror episode, I'm left wondering, where do we draw the line? And when will this episode become real life? Love you both. Becky P. 
Oh, good email. That's that was yeah, a really great yeah. email. Very relatable. I think most of us can relate to uh, a lot of that. All right. So here is our Stranger Things email. So hi Sean, hi Rima. I'm totally behind because I like to watch it an episode and then listen to your podcast. I only listen at work and it gets me through my 16 hour shift game of microphones also keeps me sane. I love listening to you guys. Well, thanks. Thank you. Uh, I'm so sad about Bob. I'm sure we'll never get over that. Speaking of Sean Aston, I heard an Easter egg in the mind flare episode when the demodogs were coming out of the hole. One of the scientists says, Holy mother, mother of God. And the Goonies, my all-time favorite, near and dear to my heart, a police officer says the same thing at the end when the pirate ship comes out of the cave. Oh, that's pretty cool. Oh, I didn't notice. Uh, In many ways, I think Stranger Things kids are the Goonies of Hawkins, Indiana. There's a Goonies oath which parallels many of the obstacles the Hawkins kids have to face. It reads as follows. I will never betray my goondock friends. We will stick together until the whole world ends. Through heaven and hell and nuclear war, good pals like us will stick like tar. In the city or the country of the forest of the boonies, I am proudly declared a fellow Goonie. Thanks for reading. So glad you guys are podcasting Black Mirror, Gwen. Well, thanks, Gwen. I thanks, love- Gwen. It's kind of like a that maybe that should be our saying at the end of each episode now. We'll have to memorize it. Oh, gosh. Well, I'll just put it up on a post-it. There's not going to be any <laughs> memorizing on my end. But, yeah, I loved that. That's great, Gwen. Thanks so much for writing in. And and please, if anyone is still, if you're still catching up to Stranger Things, if you're new to Stranger Things and you're just new to us, um, we're happy to still read these. Um, and, and, you know, I'll keep them at the end so that way if people um, who aren't into Stranger Things, haven't watched it, don't care, you can skip over it. It's fine. But um, I like being inclusive. Uh, because I never get tired of talking about Stranger Things or hearing what people think. So thanks so much for that email. And thank you to everyone that took a few moments to write in. We got a lot of great feedback in this episode because I think that it does, as you mentioned earlier, it kind of hits something with all of us, uh, you know, about this type of situation and what is the right or right thing to do and how we question that and how that... um, you know, determines what we do um, as far as being parents. So uh, I appreciate everything that everyone has to say. So thanks, everyone, for writing in and taking the time. Yeah, thanks, everybody. All right. right. So uh, next week we'll be covering the third episode from season four of Black Mirror titled Crocodile. I can't wait for that one. I have no idea what it's about, but... If it's yep, any indication so far, I'm excited. Oh, I'm pumped for it too. Yeah, and I, I kind of like with what we're doing with Black Mirror. Like, if you listen to Stranger Things, we kind of give the description of the episode because those are usually kind of less spoilerly. But with Black Mirror, I love not having a clue what the episode is. So, yeah, uh, super excited to get into Crocodile. Yeah, me too. And we are very excited for you to look into the Black Mirror with us. And until then, you can follow us on Twitter at Strange TCast. You can like us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash Stranger TCast. You can email us at StrangerThingsCastPod at gmail.com. You can also find us on the TV Time app. You can find Strange Indeed and a bunch of other great podcasts like Podcast Junkies at Podcastica.com. Go out and leave a review for Strange Indeed or any of the other great Podcastica podcasts on Apple Podcast. And make sure to check out Sean and his other podcast, The Language of Bromance, comes out every Sunday like clockwork, folks. It's yes. always there. It's You can always count on it. <laughs> 
We are slowly etching our way to 200 episodes. We'll be, we're, I think we're at like 186 right now. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Are you going to yeah. do something special? Uh, we'll probably just make each other laugh. <laughs> Is that all? Don't you do that every week? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It'll be, yeah. it'll be just show, it'll just be language or bromance as normal. That's okay, because that's what we that's what we know, and that's what we love, and that's what we count on. All right, well, that's our show, episode 19, Archangel. Until next time, I'm Rima. And I'm Sean. And Becky P. is strange indeed. I'm 2,000 years old, and I remember when we used to open up the door and just let the kids be. Hmm. And I remember breaking my arm because you wouldn't get a baby gate. And I was an hermit. Mm-hmm. That's okay. <laughs>